Welcome to The Church Door, a place where I can post my Bible studies and sermons for your listening pleasure. I'm the Reverend Matthew Fenn, pastor of St. Peter's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Stratford, Ontario. Thanks for tuning us in. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Do you want to know something about heaven? Do you want to know something about heaven? There's a deep longing, isn't there, to know something about where you're going to go when you die. And here in our reading from Revelation, we catch just a glimpse. And we're especially interested in knowing about heaven when we have loved ones there. I'm certain that includes many here today. Raise your hands if you have loved ones in heaven. Every single one. No hands accepted. So, if we want to know about what heaven's like, we can look to the scriptures where we find hints at what heaven will be like. We can look at those hints as we see them in the Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus was transfigured before his disciples. We could read lots of the words of the apostles and meditate on those words. But today we're going to look at this chapter from the book of Revelation. Now, we don't know where heaven is, or even if that's the right question to be asking. But here we have a vivid picture of heaven and those who dwell there. This passage from Revelation was written to comfort the hearts of those suffering and grieving, those who need hope. And it's given hope to many throughout the centuries. So, in our first reading from Revelation, John receives a vision of a crowd of people. And as he looks on this innumerable crowd, he notices that this crowd is multi-ethnic. This is the biggest multicultural gathering ever. And as and this crowd just keeps growing and growing. And what kind of venue can hold such a large multicultural gathering? Well, the text tells us. It says they are before the throne. They're in heaven. Heaven is not unpopulated. And here we have an answer to a question which the disciples asked the Lord when he was on earth. Are only a few going to be saved? Jesus didn't answer them plainly then. He gave them a parable. But here, there's no question. Is it only a few? No. It's a great multitude which no man could number. Could it really be any other way? Would God have created humanity only to let sin and Satan get the most of them? If that were true, how could our Lord come to destroy the works of the devil? No, John sees a great multitude which no man could number. And when he, and he saw that vision, there was already in heaven an innumerable crowd. How much bigger is that crowd today? How much bigger do you suppose that crowd's going to be at the end? Well, who are they? This innumerable, multi-ethnic crowd. They're those who've come out of the great tribulation. 
Now, the Great Tribulation here does not refer to some end times catastrophe. Life is a Great Tribulation. The world, the flesh, the devil, they're all against us. They're against God and His kingdom just as much as any Roman emperor might have been. The people you see here are those who woke up from life as if they were waking up from a nightmare. They've lived through the nightmare of life and now they can wake up to a glorious, new, fresh morning. These are all the saints who've passed on. These are not just the, the famous ones. No, these are all the unsung saints. This is the countless, nameless crowd. These are those saints who kept the faith, who passed it on to the next generation, and who did this through all the daily griefs and trials in life. And they did it with a steadfast and strong hope. You know some of those people. Some of those people who passed on the faith to you. Some of those people who kept the faith even when it was hard to do so. But these saints in heaven, these are not saints because they were such great and holy people. No, they'd all sinned. How do we know that? Well, none of them had kept their robes undefiled. Jesus in our Gospel reading says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. The spiritually poor. Spiritual beggars. Jesus said, though, that He came to seek and save those who are lost, and He found them by His Spirit, through His Word. He drew them to Himself. And John notices that these saints in heaven have identical white robes. White stands for purity. The reason why their clothes are white is not because they lived such great lives of holiness. No, no. It's because of the blood of the Lamb. The sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. That has rescued them. That has made their clothes white. They were baptized. God placed His Word on them. And by His Word, He made them part of His family in His favor. But by this blood, Jesus has washed their sin-stained robes completely clean. It's like that old hymn. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You see, we don't look like saints. We don't really talk like saints. We certainly don't act like saints. But that is not how God sees us. That's not how God sees you. That's what John gets at elsewhere in our epistle reading, where he says, Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. See, God has called us blessed even though in and of ourselves there's no reason to do so. God has called us blessed, blessed despite the fact that we are spiritual beggars. We are mourning and hungering and thirsting for a righteousness we don't have. We're persecuted and reviled and suffering despite our poor and miserable condition. God calls us 
to be His children. God says, you're saints. You, you are saints. And so there's this enormous crowd in heaven. And getting to heaven is not something they did. They had absolutely no need to wait for some lengthy post-mortem cleanup in purgatory. No, the suffering and death of Jesus and their baptism into that death, their faithfulness even to the end, that was all that was required. Our text tells us, salvation belongs to God and to the slain lamb. A saint is somebody who despite their sin has been baptized into Christ, who redeemed them by his precious blood. A saint is someone who clings to Christ for dear life, even until their last breath. And now, all of those who are in heaven are full of gratitude. They're full of gratitude for the one who redeemed them and saved them by his blood. Nobody, nobody can go to heaven for any other reason than the blood of the Lamb. There is no other reason. You all said you had saints, you had loved ones who were in heaven. Do you want to be there? with them one day? Who are you trusting to get you there? But John looks at this crowd and he notices that they're all carrying palm branches. Palm branches. What does palm branches remind you of? Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. Palm branches were used in celebrations when a king came home from battle victorious. They would bring out palm branches. Jesus, on Palm Sunday, rode into Jerusalem, and he was hailed as the king, the son of David. And so this enormous, multi-ethnic crowd in heaven, what are they doing there? They're celebrating a victory. And they're singing a victory song. It's, they sing the song to God and to the Lamb. And even the angels in heaven join in with a heavenly glory be to God on high. Earlier, John reported, he tells us the source of this victory. I saw a Lamb standing as though he'd been slain. God himself became man, suffered a fate worse than anyone else, and he did so for you. By that death, victory has been won. Online, you will find the hymn, Jerusalem the Golden. Listen to these words. Around the throne of David, the saints from care released, raise loud their song of triumph to celebrate the feast. They sing to Christ their leader who conquered in the fight, who won for them forever their gleaming robes of white. So what do the saints do in heaven? They celebrate. They sing songs of victory. They remember what God has done for them. They are part of the most amazing divine service that ever shall be. Palm branches, though, were also used 
in the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles remembers and commemorated God's care for the Israelites during the 40 years in wilderness. He cared for them. And a main part of that feast was palm branches. And John uses that imagery. What does it mean? It means that life is like a wilderness. Can you relate to that? Life is like a wilderness. Well, we get a picture here. The troubles of the wilderness are over. Now the church has entered the true promised land. We have to travel through the wilderness of this life. But if we trust in our Lord Jesus, we will find ourselves in God's throne room, in the true promised land, in the heavenly temple, worshiping at the ultimate divine service. Those saints in heaven, they don't want for anything. They are under the care of God, just like the Israelites were cared for by God in the wilderness. They're no longer plagued with hunger and thirst. They don't get worn out by the stresses of life. The saints in heaven, they have no tears. One poet said he, can't, he could never read those words without crying. Dear brothers and sisters, think of it. This life is a place of tears. But you are promised a place where the only tears you will ever cry are tears of joy. But there is one more, one more unspeakable joy that our text tells us about heaven. We have the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. We get to see him as he is. He will dwell among us, with us, himself. Those who have already died in the faith have this blessing. Jesus Christ is like a tent over them, covering them. He's like a shepherd feeding them. He's like a guide to lead them to streams of water. The tears and the sorrows, the sufferings and the trials of life are gone. God wipes them all away. He comforts the saints with his presence where there is fullness of joy forevermore. That hope is yours. It's yours through Jesus Christ, the Lamb who was slain for you. So do you have loved ones in heaven? Rejoice for them. They're far better off than we are. The question is, are you on your way there yourself? Because it will not be long now. Rest will come. The one who began a good work will bring it to completion. One day, the bell will toll for us. And we will rejoice. We will rejoice in the victory of death, the victory of Jesus. And all those who are left behind will rejoice for us. And they will rejoice because death will give way to life. Tears will give way to joy. Sin will give way to bliss. And dear saints, until that day, as you go through the wilderness of this life, fix your eyes on Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, 
despised the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And that peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to The Church Door. Thanks again for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can reach me, Pastor Matthew Fenn, at revfenn, R-E-V-F-E-N-N, at icloud.com. Look forward to having you with us again next time.